Luke chapter 4, verse 18. If you have your Bibles, if we could turn there uh, this evening. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And we've been uh, journeying together through a series entitled Live Free. Live Free. And, and uh, I believe that God's doing some great things uh, this month. Through this series, God is bringing revelation and reminding us that it is His desire that you and I would live free, that we would be free, that we would walk in freedom. You know, when you think about Jesus' ministry, how he came uh, here to the, to the earth over 2,000 years ago, and the 33 years that he spent here was for the sole purpose of our freedom, of your freedom, of my freedom. While he was here for those, that time, he preached uh, and had a ministry of redemption, of reconciliation, of healing, and of deliverance. And as we prepare to dive in tonight to the Word of God, we must be convinced and understand that God has desired and God desires that His people would live free. That His people would live free. It's not God's desire for you and I to be hung up in different types of vices and bondages that destroy our lives. The things that we used to once do before Christ, those, those areas in, uh, that, that we've dealt with, God's desire is that you and I would live free and experience the life in abundance that he promises you and I. Doesn't mean we're perfect or we ever will be perfect, but with God's help, we strive for perfection. And we can experience freedom through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? The Bible says here, let's look in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. We're going to read this, and we're going to believe God tonight. Tonight we're going to pray. We're going to have a special uh, time of prayer tonight. So uh, we're going to prepare uh, for that tonight. So Luke 4, 18, verse 21. I'm reading out of the King James Version. The Bible says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is Jesus talking here. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen to this. To preach deliverance to the captives. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is that good news tonight? To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And here, the context of this scripture, Jesus was there in the temple. And before he read this, he, he asked for the book of Isaiah, and he opened the scrolls, and he read this very scripture. And then we see in verse 20, and he closed the book and gave it to the minister and sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now listen, look at here what's awesome in verse 21. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this blessed opportunity to come into your presence, God. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy, God. We thank you for the privilege, Lord God, to be in your presence, Lord. Father God, I lift up each and every one in this place, God, those that are also tuning in online, Father God. I pray, Father, that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, that even right now you would begin to Loosen the shackles, Father God, that you would begin to bring revelation, Father God, that we would understand in your word, Father, that you desire that we would be free. Father God, we just 
release everything to you, God, and we just ask for your hand to be on the rest of the service, God. Do what you will, Father God. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, and all the believers say, amen. Thank you, Jesus. To preach deliverance to the captive. I want to speak a message tonight entitled, Free to Live. Praise God. Free to live. Now, as we understand that believers that we're promised freedom, that we are, uh, that God wants us to be free, we have to understand that it's for a purpose. God hasn't called us to twiddle our thumbs, to be set free, and just to do nothing, just to enjoy, you know, all the blessings that he wants to give us. And in a sense, that's true. God wants us to enjoy everything he has for us, but he calls us for a purpose. One, it's to serve him to live for him, to serve him, to serve God. And secondly, it's to serve one another. Serve him and serve one another. That's the design and that's the plan. That's the reason why God wants us to be set free because here we are in the house of God. We've experienced great worship tonight. The Holy Spirit is moving. I believe God's speaking to hearts. We're going to experience some great things this evening. But you know what? There are people that are out there that are yet to hear the gospel there are those that need to be here sitting next to you and filling up these chairs. Can you say amen? There are many others that need to be set free and experience the freedom that you and I have experienced. We're free for the purpose of serving God and serving others. When I think back in my life and how God called me and, and how I came to know the Lord at a young age, as, as a teenager at 14 years old, I think back how God is a beautiful orchestrator and how he arranged and sent certain people in my life and did so many powerful things to, to draw me in. God called me. He called me, and, and, and by the Holy Spirit, I was able to come into the kingdom of God. But when I think, I first give God all the honor and glory because it was his, his hand and it was his doing. But you know who else I can't forget? I can't forget the faithful men and women who were doing the work of God years back. Those brothers and sisters and those pastors and leaders and servants and people in the kingdom of God that were just standing in their position doing what God had called them to do. Amen. Some of them were on the platform, but many of them were elsewhere. Ushers greeting me in the parking lot, seating me at my seat. Lives of faithful men and women being faithful to their responsibility and the opportunity that God gave them. And because they were faithful doing that, because you were faithful doing that, someone else was able to hear the gospel, and it changed my life. I think back of uh, starting with my grandparents who knew the Lord, and, and, and me as a, as a young 8, 9, 10-year-old, them sharing the good news of Jesus with me. Seen me as, as important enough to share the good news. How many know that children, they're just, they're little people, but one day they're going to grow up and be like you and I. Can you say amen? They need the gospel too, and we're planting seeds in their lives. My gr grandmother telling me that I have to go to church. You got to go to church. You need Jesus. Without Jesus, we're nothing, she would tell me. This, man, I never forgot that. Thinking of my family who served God, thinking of my dad who opened up the scriptures with me and my brothers and my cousins who read these Bible stories to me that, that I never forgot. 
That day that I was taken to church there, the first time the pastor that was there, standing in the gap, just being faithful, the usher who sat me there in my chair, the usher who greeted me with a smile, the one who, who was there at the altar call and, and, and prayed with the young boy and that, where I led, Jesus, I led Jesus into my heart, the ones who would pick me up for church. I was 14 years old. I wasn't driving yet, so I needed a ride. And I didn't live around the corner, I'll tell you. The church was in Palm Springs. I lived in Palm Desert, California. That was about a 20-minute drive down the 10 freeway, the 10 East. People saying, yes, I'll pick them up. Not even having money to give them for gas. I didn't have a job, right? But they, they saw a promise. They saw that there here was a life that, that God wanted to move in. And I'll tell you what, it's made all the difference in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because they were being, they were serving they were standing in the gap. They were doing what God called them to do. What has God called you to do? He's called you to be the leader of your home, to be that father that he's called you to be, to be that mother that he's called you to be, to be that friend, to be that ministry, that faithful ministry worker, to be that nursery leader, that nursery worker, that usher, just standing in the gap. You don't know the lives that you're impacting. The fact that you got up this morning and you said, yes, Lord, I'm going to serve you one more day, God. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. If I'm seen, it's okay. If I'm not seen, better yet, because you see me, Lord. And as we do that, we're impacting this world one life at a time. Thank you, Jesus. Stay faithful to where God's called you to be. So as we understand that God's called us for a purpose to serve him and serve others, we're set free to serve God, first and foremost. As I said, we're not here to just twiddle our thumbs and just to just to take up a seat. Your life is too precious for just that. God has a plan and a purpose for you so that we can impact the world for Jesus. As much as God desires for you to live free and to be free and to experience all that he has for you, there is an enemy that we have. Can you say amen? We can't leave him out of the equation. There is an enemy that would desire that you would stay bound that you would stay caught up in the same things that, that you've, that you've uh, wrestled with for many years, that the devil would desire that you would just stay bound and without purpose, doing nothing. That's the devil's desire. And we have an instance here, an account here in the Old Testament as we look in Exodus chapter 5. There's a perfect example of this. Here was God uh, desiring to, to free his people in Egypt. The children of Israel who had, had established themselves in Egypt and they multiplied and for 400 years, the Bible says they were in slavery. And in this time, they were praying to God for freedom. They were praying to the Lord to set her free, to help them, to send someone. And who does God send? God sent Moses. And here we see in Exodus 5, chapter one, uh, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, so much transpired in the book of Exodus with Moses and Aaron going before Pharaoh and the plagues and the miracles. But here we see an instance in verse 1. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron, listen to this, went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. And look at Pharaoh's response here. And this is the enemy's response. You say, I want to serve God. I want to be free to do what God's called me to do. I want to live for God. I want to get in ministry. I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that for God. Look in verse 2. Listen to what Pharaoh said. He said, is that so, retorted Pharaoh. 
And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And church, that's what the enemy's telling many this evening. That there's a desire to do something righteous, a desire to, to serve God, a desire to be free so that you could serve God 110%. But what does the enemy say? No, I will not let you go. I've had you bound too long. You've wrestled with this vice too long. You've been through this, th this situation too long again and again and again. And the enemy is trying to convince you, believer, yes, believer, that freedom is not in your future. That if you were going to, here's what he says, and I had mentioned this on Sunday, if you were going to be set free, it would have happened already. Oh, church, what happens when Jesus steps on the scene? Everything changes. Can you say amen? Everything changes. It doesn't matter how long you may have been bound. It doesn't matter how long you may have been wrestling with this vice or this situation. It doesn't matter how long. If Jesus desires that we would be free, free to serve him, free to do what he's called us to do. And it's like that today. It's like that today. And that's good news for you. That's good news for me, church. If, if you're dealing with anything in this place, and let's be real tonight, we're in church. We're not perfect. We're not in heaven yet. None of us are perfect. I got news for you. None of us are perfect. We have issues that we deal with, things and hang-ups and, and situations. But the good news is, is that Jesus is still in the business of delivering. He's still in the business of setting people free. That's you and I tonight. The devil desires to deceive many. He's a deceiver. He's a liar, the Bible calls him. When he speaks, he lies. That's his native tongue. He's a father of all lies. And, and what are some of the things that he tells people when it comes to their desire to being free, to being set free, to being delivered? Well, one of the things he says is that you're not worthy. You're not worth it. You're not worthy of being set free. You've messed up too many times. You've hurt too many people. You've failed too many times. That's what the enemy would try to have us uh, believe. But we look in God's word for our truth, right? The word of God is our truth. So with that, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.4, the words here of Almighty God, there is hope only for the living. Your translation may say there is hope among the living. What does that mean? That means that as long as there is breath in your lungs, there's hope for you. As long as you're breathing, there's hope for you. There's hope for you tonight. That's good news. Thank you, Jesus. There is hope for you. If you have believed the lie, if you believe the enemy where he's told you that there's no hope for you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. Thank you, Jesus. That is good news tonight, church. What about this? I've betrayed God too many times. I've turned my back on him too many times. Well, listen, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, the words here of a loving father. He says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they, will, they shall be as wool. Another, another promise right there, church. That's, that's the words of a loving father. Where the enemy would convince you and try to, feel, uh, try to have you feel shame and run the other way to run out of the church and never come back because you messed up too many times, but here's Almighty God. And what's he saying? He's saying, come. Come on. Let us reason together. Let us reason together. 
Yes, your sins are like scarlet, but I'll make them as white as snow. That's good news tonight, church. Thank you, Jesus. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone tonight. Thank you, Jesus. What about this? I've made too many, uh, too many mistakes. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Paul says this, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Paul's saying, I am persuaded. You know why? Because while he was persecuting the church, and while he was on his way to do that, the Lord revealed himself to him out of heaven, knocked him off his horse, and said, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And his life was changed. Paul was convinced that while I was the chiefest of sinners, the chiefest of sinners, he said that I am persuaded that Jesus still loved me. God loves you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. So we're free to serve God. Secondly, we're free to serve others. We're going to keep moving along tonight because we're going to get ready to pray here in just a few moments. We're going to believe God to do some great things tonight. We're free to serve others. Listen to this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Now listen to this, love your neighbor as yourself. God's called you to serve others. He's called you to help others. He's called you to make an impact in this world. It's not just about you or me or, or what we can increase here personally or our selfish ambitions. It's, a, it's about how we can help our brothers and sisters, how we can propel them forward. How can we, can we make things a little bit easier for them? John chapter 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And what is love? Love is saying, I'll serve you. Husbands and wives, we know this, but it goes beyond that. You love someone, you serve them. How can I help you? What can I pray about with you? What do you need? What do you got? How, how can I help you? It's, it's about serving others. That's what God's called us to do. Matthew 20, verse 28, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a passage in John chapter 2, verse 9, and we get an account of Jesus' first miracle, right? Miracle at the wedding of, of, of Cana. He, he turned water to wine. And what's powerful about this, while many were there at that wedding and they were celebrating, all they knew was that they needed more wine. But you know what's powerful about this? That the servants got a glimpse, and, and the key word here is servants, church. We're talking about service. We're talking about serving God, serving others. The servants got an awesome glimpse to see the first miracle of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? John chapter 2, verse 9. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine. This is where Jesus turned water to wine. Not knowing where it had come from, right? The person that was in the limelight, the person that was there, the MC that everyone was looking at, he didn't know where the wine came from. But listen, though of course, the Bible says, though of course the servants knew. The servants do. As you and I dedicate our life to a life of service to God and to others, you're going to get to experience miracles that other people don't get to. You're going to be able to see God do things that others don't get to see. Why? Because you're living the life of a servant. 
You're going to see God heal people. You're going to see God perform miracles. You're going to see God multiply. You're going to see God deliver. Why? Because you have the heart of a servant. Servants get to witness miracles that others don't get to. Lend a hand. They need you. Help them. They need you. Pray for them. Assist them. Stand in the gap. Motivate them. Encourage them. Lift them up. Propel them forward. Speak words of life, not death. Words of encouragement, not discouragement. And you're impacting the world one life at a time as you do that. Let's look beyond ourselves, church. Man, it's not about me. It's not about how far I can go or what can I do, but I want to see others grow. I want to see others experience Christ. I can help them out. I could text them. I could call them on the phone. I could ask a simple question. How are you today? What can we pray about? Here's a love offering. A phone call. So many things I can do to help propel others forward, to serve others. As we do that, church, we're impacting the world. We've been set free for the purpose of serving God. We've been set free to serve others. And lastly, tonight, as I wind this down, we're free so that we can worship. We're free to worship. We're free to worship tonight. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.16, For you are free. You are free, yet you are God's slaves. We're free. In Luke chapter 8, there's a powerful account here of Jesus and delivering the, the demonic man at the Gadareans. Now, this, this whole passage is powerful. This man, it, it said that he would oftentimes cut himself or he would beat himself up because he was under demonic oppression and possession. And here comes Jesus with his disciples. And I'm sure the, the renowned of this demon-possessed man probably went throughout the region, and I'm sure many people that had an opportunity to port at this shore probably chose another place to port, but not Jesus. So here he comes in the, in the boat with his disciples. And it says that this demon-possessed man ran towards Jesus. And we know the story. Jesus asked, what is your name? And then the, the, demon, the demon said, we are legion, for we are many. And they begged Jesus because of, the, because of his power and his authority. Don't torment us, they said. So Jesus cast them into a herd of swine, right? And the herd of swine ran off into the cliff. And many people were, were telling Jesus, get away, get out of here. They were more concerned with their livelihood and, and these, these, these swine than the person that was delivered. And here was this man, Luke 8, 35. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. Listen to this. And isn't this a perfect picture of worship? He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. This man who was demon-possessed, who was hurting himself. And isn't that what we do when we're living a life of sin and bondage and we're doing things that are, that's destroying our lives? We're making decisions that 
are destroying our lives or destroying the, the lives of our loved ones. I've seen it growing up. Good people, people that love their children but are, that are caught up in a vice and have no spiritual control over that. So they're, they're a slave to that sin and it causes them to forsake their children, forsake their home and go do this and do that. I know you've seen it. I've seen it. And it doesn't mean that people aren't good and that have a desire, but they're under a spiritual bondage. And that what, that's what this demon-possessed man was experiencing. Hurting himself, beating himself up. People would try to chain him up. Isn't that what happens, right? People try to help us. They try to, to chain us up. But there's no true deliverance without Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? There are programs, there are methods, and they have their place. I understand that. But spiritual deliverance comes through the power of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here in Luke 8, 35, he was sitting at Jesus' feet. An attitude of worship. Just moments earlier, people were afraid of him, but he was sitting at Jesus' feet. He was free to worship God. That's your inheritance, believer. That's your promise. If there's anything in your life taking place tonight and it causes you to run the other way and not even want to come in to the presence of God and worship God, if there's anything in your life, it could be broken tonight, and it's going to be broken tonight. Can you say amen? It's going to be broken tonight. For what purpose? Now look in Luke 8, 39 as we prepare to close here. Now go back, this demon-possessed man who is now in his right mind, he asked Jesus, let me come with you. I want to come with you. I want to be your disciple. Jesus, Jesus said, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done. He was set free. He was free to worship, and now he was free to go and tell others about the love of God. So as we recap tonight and as we close and as our worship team makes their way up, our Heavenly Father has a beautiful plan and purpose for your life. Each and every one of you, He has a plan and a purpose. You're not a mistake. He's not through with you yet. He's not done with you. He's just getting started. From the very beginning... As we look back in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, we get the account where sin entered the world because of their disobedience. Because they sinned against God. And at that moment, mankind was subject to sin, to being slaves of sin. And, and you and I have seen that. We're born into it. That's why we've gone through the things that we've gone through, the experiences before Christ. But as bad as that story is, as bad as that account is of, of, of Adam and Eve, we see the plan of redemption being implemented quickly. And I believe it's, it's in Genesis chapter 3. All the way back then, there's prophecy of Jesus' coming. See, immediately when we mess things up, God has a plan to redeem us, to restore us. Way back then, things were sent to motion so that Jesus would come and, and die as the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. God's graceful. Man, oh man, God is graceful tonight. You're not too far gone. There's hope. There is hope for you. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal 
and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Thank you, Jesus. The devil desires to destroy lives, but Jesus desires that you may have life and life in abundance. And tonight when we entitle this message, Free to Live, that is what we're talking about tonight, that you're free to live. Live the life that God's called you to live. God desires that you would experience all of his blessings, so many good things in this life, to be used of him, to impact the world, to experience a loving relationship with him. Life and life in abundance. And as we close, as we bow our heads tonight,